is is important and 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 you find there's there's this kind of welcome to the lifelong learning podcast with chris mcguire Hello and welcome to episode three of the Lifelong Learning Podcast. Today I am joined by educator extraordinaire, Mick Dennis. Mick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Hi, mate. So first, what is your current role in our system at the moment? Okay, so I've just joined the system as a teaching educator uh, in secondary mathematics. So the role's basically going out to schools and supporting the teachers in the schools, mm-hmm. um, whether they're new coordinators or whether they're the teachers themselves, yep. running in services. Um, so looking at uh, running some of the, the agenda that we've had over the last few years, so supporting that work we've been doing with uh, Peter Sullivan mm-hmm. and so helping with those courses and um, and then, and some, run some what we call PLCs for schools. So mm-hmm. looking at a few schools in the next few weeks of running uh, things on past HS, uh, judging HSCs and mm-hmm. also uh, metacognition in a few weeks with one of the other schools. So, oh, fantastic. Yeah, so it's it's new role. It's good. Yeah. We, and we might even um, delve into some of those areas, but I want to ask you as a mathematics educator – does have being passionate feeling passionate about mathematics is that a prerequisite for the role it does help <laughs> it's like like i always tell the extension to maths kids like it, you can do the mathematics and mm-hmm. i've had kids who have done extension to maths and not been that passionate but it does help to be passionate mm-hmm. about the mathematics because it's it's pretty high level maths do you feel a pressure socially um if you're splitting the bill to come up with the uh- <laughs> <laughs> definitely it's like oh just give it to it give it to me yeah it'll, it'll work it all out it's like i get the calculator out it's like that's why you've got calculators on your phones for these so days so it's okay to use the calculator it's fine to use the calculator like, people have this idea that oh we can't you got to use your mental arithmetic mm-hmm. no no we've got calculators on our phones for a reason yeah and no one needs to do mental arithmetic to that level nowadays like i'm not i'm not any, once it gets to decimals, I'm not going there. It's like, <laughs> and it's times so, tables is fine. I, times tables is not a problem, but let, let's not go anywhere near decimals. It's like, <laughs> let, use the calculator for that one. And Because what we're touching on here is, uh, I guess, a different belief of mathematics. So yeah. there are different... Um, I guess parents today would have a, a, their experience of mathematics, and that's all they can draw on. They only know what they've known. Um, but how's mathematics and the pedagogy surrounding the te- teaching of mathematics, how has that, I guess, evolved? What does it look, how has it changed from, I guess, perhaps early 90s to, you know, here we are in the teens, 2000s? Yeah. Well, that's when, when I started in the early 90s. And really, when I was a kid, we were human calculators. Mm-hmm. We're not now. We're not expecting the kids to be that calculator. Um, even with my own children, when I talked about trigonometry with them and showed them the old trig Mm-hmm. books and, and all the tables that we used yeah. to be able to use i was fortunate enough to be on the the beginning end of the cake when the calculators yeah. started coming in so i never really had to use them but that's how people calculated that yeah. they didn't have in, they didn't have the devices there mm-hmm. so we don't have to do that that manual calculation at a really high level we still want them to do be able to do times tables that's yep. that's still important anything you can do quickly with it quicker than the calculator then we use, then we don't use the calculator. That's yeah. as simple as that. But those really high level complex um, calculations, we don't need kids to do that nowadays. Yeah. We'd rather them be thinking much more deeply about the mathematics they're using, mm-hmm. and then really not those, not as much as the mathematics, the numeracy that's behind it. So mm-hmm. what they're what they're actually 
having to make sense of the numeracy and making sure that they can use um, the concepts lot in a lot deeper fashion mm-hmm. than just actually calculating. It's and to it's, clarify, when you talk about mathematics and numeracy, is numeracy just applying it to your life? It's is- a little bit more like yeah, it's a, it's more about the real life applications. So we've got the mathematics and that's the concepts and but when we start to apply. Mm-hmm. the mathematics into real-life situations, and that starts to become more an, a numeracy-type situ- situation. So yeah. you're reading numbers on a ruler. Well, you can do that, but can you do that and measure out a block of wood that yeah. you need to get that actual measurement for? Yeah. So that, that's that's the numeracy coming in there. So it's um, when, when you think about written algorithms versus, you know, the calculator, there was, you know, don't use the calculator because we are extending our, our students by having them use a written um, algorithm. Is that, was it, you know, avoid the calculator because it was a way to differentiate, to try and push those students who could, is that how it was viewed early in the early 90s era when the calculator uh, was coming out? Yeah, so it, it was sort of. Um, we've moved a lot. We were still thinking in terms of algorithms back then. Like the mm-hmm. more about the procedures and having mm-hmm. these set out ways of doing the work, and we're still a little bit there. We're still getting, but I'm, I'm. The more I go on, the less I like algorithms. Yeah. The because they work for some kids, they don't work for others. Yeah. And if you only going to give them one way to do something, mm-hmm. some, you're going to lose some kids. Yeah. And and then you're not going to get them back. So yeah. that and that's that's where that's the big difference. We want to see them work it out in their own way, mm-hmm. whether that's the formal algorithm that you were taught and doing it that way. And some kids really like that. Um, trying to teach them other ways sometimes is mm-hmm. <laughs> getting, yeah. to, getting to think about it different ways is, is really hard yeah. because they, they like the algorithm, they like that structure. And the, but some students don't get that. They just don't see that algorithm as any sort with any sort of sense. So, mm-hmm. And other ways make sense to them. Drawing a diagram, mm-hmm. just doing a, 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 what we look at as a more informal way of doing of doing the mathematics is that the beauty of a closed question where okay we've got a question we've got the answer but now let's explore the the variety of ways that we can come to that answer and it's a platform to share different thinking is that oh yeah the, the, the more open the question the more you the students can develop their under or demonstrate their understanding mm. so and whether that is a misunderstanding as well yeah um you don't often get it with a closed question so the yeah. open open questions are fantastic for that because yeah. you can get them to explain justify yep. to do all those working mathematically um, things we want them to do, mm-hmm. but if there's a mis- misconception, that will come out a lot more. Yep. Um, just doing an, a closed question where there's one answer, mm-hmm. they don't because they might be able to still get an answer, but can they justify it? Can they think mathematically? Yeah. Um, having done a lot of work with kids with open ended questions, they'll get solutions, and the, and the beauty of it, they'll look at a solution and go, yeah, but. It's not a. It yeah. wouldn't wouldn't make sense to do that. Like yeah. I had them drawing and making a designing a table of a that was a set area, but with a they could come up with whatever perimeter they wanted. Mm-hmm. And one of the kids went, "Well, yeah, I can get this as a solution. It works. It fits. It fits the problem. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't use it in real life." And you're looking at it, great. Like yeah. you've been discerning about the mathematics you're using, which is exactly what we want the kids to be able to do. So as a as a strategy in the classroom, it's great to explore open maths questions because there are it's, uh, as as it implies, it's there's so many different answers and ways to think and reason to find your answer. Oh, exactly. It's great. So when you you're talking about how people 
and students can share and challenge thinking. Um, but in order to do that, the students will need to f- reflect on their own thinking, that kind of m- the metacognition. Metacognition, that- yeah. So oh, could you unpack a little bit about that? Well, the thing about metacognition is the, you have to have – the first thing you need is a challenging type of question. Mm. The, the, the closed questions that are really simple, that's not – if they don't have to think hard about it, they're not going to think about their own thinking, which is the metacognition. That's mm-hmm. exactly what we want. We want the students to be able to think deeply about something, but also we want them to be able to think about what they're thinking about at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so they can start to apply that to other problems. So they, they recognise exactly what I was thinking of at this time. Now, that's, hard. that's a hard task for some kids, yeah. and it's something we have to teach uh, at times. Some of them, it comes normally. Some mm-hmm. some of them they're able to go oh yeah that was yeah I this is what I did did mm-hmm. and and that's that's fine doesn't come normally to most kids mm-hmm. <laughs> you've really got to unpack that for them and yep. and get them to think about and that's where like during a lesson you can stop and go okay what did, what's the um what are you thinking at this stage mm-hmm. if I'm playing a game with them they, they won't get to the end of the game before I'll stop them and go okay what strategies are you using yeah what are you actually bringing in from the outside world into your mathematics game yeah like. And our kids, are, lots of our kids are into games. They, they play lots of games, especially the boys I've taught. They're right into the, the games, but they start to see that, mm-hmm. that what they think about when they're playing the games is worthwhile mm-hmm. and they can bring it to any, any situation, even in, in the maths classroom. And it's, that, um, it's so participatory in mathematics where we want the kids, we want the students to express what they're thinking. And if we don't provide opportunities for them yep. to tap into that that, that cognition um, how, can, how can we you know develop or even reason or how can students reason well or improve on that reasoning exactly yeah if you if, if you're not setting up to have a, a situation where they have to think deeply mm. it's it's they're not going to develop any of those skills we really want them to get developed there so mm. yeah it's, it's got it's got to be deep it's got to be a rich task and, and that's where 20 years ago we were still doing oh here's, here's the textbook here's the 20 questions from the textbook and and mm-hmm. and kids could do that really well mm-hmm. but they didn't develop past that and if they didn't get the first one well they had nowhere to go yeah. so it didn't matter about the, the other 19 they, yeah. were, they were gone from the first one and they were, <laughs> there was no way for them to, to, to get access to it so that's where the open tasks we do do mm-hmm. we ha- always have ta- enabling tasks that allow them to get in so yep. that's where we've worked a lot with Peter Sullivan in the diocese to bring that those ideas into. Okay, what's if they can't get there, let them think about, it, let them try, mm-hmm. um, and then okay, if they can't, have some enabling tasks for them to get into it. And Is that a, a skill in itself? Being able to come up with that challenge. What is the right challenge for these students? Yep. And and and. Because I want to start talking, I want to get into, because you mentioned, I, I was having a chat with you a couple of weeks ago, and we'll start, you were talking about um, mindsets and, and some work that someone's leading with mindsets in mathematics. Yeah, well, that's Joe Bowler. Joe Bowler. Joe Bowler. Joe's followed on from the work from Carol Dweck, mm-hmm. who's been uh, a couple of decades now of growth mindsets. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been lots of debate about that, and people are starting to refute Dweck's work and okay. it's not as simple as what she puts out and it's not as, and she's come back with, with your thoughts well it isn't as, as simple as what I, I put out and some people have taken it and bastardised what she's oh, using really? and sim- simplified it to go mm-hmm. on but it's Joe Bowler's sort of 
hit on that with mathematics mm-hmm. and creating that mathematical mindset where students can are able to do recognize they can do any math any student can do mathematics mm-hmm. unless there's some cognitive problem problem and this is what we try to get across the kids unless there's some cognitive problem then everyone has the ability to learn mathematics and there's lots of articles coming out now about uh it's wrong to tell kids that they can't do mathematics and mm-hmm. parents and even teachers um working last year on a presentation on a research project on maths anxiety and had the opportunity to go down to acu in canberra and work with sue wilson and working with sue she works a lot with pre-service teachers uh, a lot of them in primary who haven't had great experiences in mathematics so she has to work um, to rebuild their confidence in math in doing mathematics, so mm-hmm. they don't pass that on their, that anxiety onto students as well, yep. um, because that's what that's what happens. That's the research has told us that mm-hmm. um, parents, teachers, society, mm-hmm. society tells you, oh, it's, it's okay. I wasn't good at mathematics. It's okay if you're not. Mm-hmm. No, that's wrong. Yeah, it's it, we've got to we've got to keep going and, and saying, look, you can do mathematics, even if you, people don't think they're good at mathematics. That's a false mindset. Yeah. Everyone can do it, yeah. um, and giving that mindset to kids and it does. It just doesn't happen once. You've got to keep going. It's it's a culture mm-hmm. of doing that. But seeing that in my own classrooms and talking to the kids about that, mm-hmm. it do, I, it's, it does work. Yeah. Um, I had one student last year who wouldn't talk to me. He came into year seven. He would not talk to me at the start of the year. Um, he, you tried to engage with him. He was he was that disengaged with mathematics, introverted personality. Mm-hmm. But we set up a safe environment in the class, and he worked with basically every kid in the class um, through the doing lots of open ended tasks. He was in a in an intervention program, uh, extending mathematical understanding, and so he'd come out once a day and work with another teacher. By the start of term three, he got up and presented a, a solution in front of the whole group. That's fantastic. So he was the last one in the class to do that in the year, but it took him six months to get the confidence to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So that just that just shows that everyone can do mathematics. Everyone's just at a different level. Mm-hmm. Um, Dweck and, and Bowler use the, the idea of some students aren't just there yet, yep. the power of yet. Mm-hmm. So, yep, you might not have got it this stage, it's just you're you're not there yet. So mm-hmm. really working with the with the kids to do that right the way through. That's it's going to build up their confidence in doing mathematics. So and create that mindset that they can do mathematics. And there's lots of other parts to it. Yeah. Um, and part of doing part of the open tasks and part of that is doing open tasks. Um, but they they really have to develop and and be in a safe environment to develop this idea that they can still do they can do mathematics and it's okay if you make mistakes as well there's another thing about about it mistakes are great mistakes are great Mm -hmm. it's it's not a problem and that again that's up to the teacher to set that up Mm -hmm. and again so that's a culture established and and nurtured by the teacher would you it's it's got to be yeah it's 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 got to be and it doesn't have to be necessarily just the teacher it should be Mm school-wide school-wide to have have be brave enough to try yeah, um, and some teachers need to, <laughs> need to develop that mindset too. Well, I was going to ask you that. You know, you talk about growth mindsets, and we we can 
we can say, you know, maybe a student's inherited this from their parents, but what about teachers? Teachers who are, I guess, because um, it's it's always evolving. You, you speak about how Carol Dweck's work's been bastardized. I mean, that's a, that's a beauty of academia. I mean, it's great to refute because that's that's what it's there for. But as a teacher who's in that journey, could be a pre-service teacher who's learning this way of teaching maths and. do do you find I guess a bit of a tension between where you know that they can teach maths you know the beauty or the the successes that you've experienced at teaching Mm. maths yet I've come in I'm about to begin my teaching career I don't think I was good at maths but I'm I'm, I'm a I'm a generalist teacher in a primary school for example like how do you break that down and how do you kind of foster those mindsets for teachers yeah well it's again try to set up that safe environment to know that you're going to make mistakes mm-hmm. and that's okay as a pre-service teacher or a first year out teacher even 28 years down the track I still yeah. make mistakes it's it's not a problem to make mistakes in the classroom because there'll be another day you can come back the next day and, and eva- as long as you're evaluating those errors it's like okay, what that. didn't work well mm-hmm. and you sometimes you think you've got the best lesson plan ever and it's going and it just doesn't work and for some reason <laughs> oh, and, I've, I've been there mate but, yeah, <laughs> we've all been there and you go oh this was a really good lesson. no it didn't work it's like mm-hmm. well, what happened but you come you come back and go okay I, maybe I didn't set them up we weren't aiming at that zone of proximal development for them like I was mm-hmm. aiming it too high or aimed it too low mm-hmm. or yeah they just didn't have this concept ready for it it could be some reason there it could be some days it's just too windy outside and the kids are just all over mm. the place and the time of day yeah what's going on in the school like it's it's could be that sort of situation um but it, but but again I'd, I'd encourage them to think about like think critically about it that's the metacognition yeah keep thinking about all well, what went what worked well what were you thinking worked well what do you, do you think didn't work well mm-hmm. and could you have changed something up during the lesson yeah and that's 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 where the experience you do get the experience and does work for you later on is that you start to recognize more situations you talk, you hear sportsmen talking about as they get more experience in their sport that things slow down for them mm-hmm. it's a bit like that in the classroom as well oh like, nice so unpack that for it yeah well, well the idea like if you're if you're in the, you're in the zone when they talk about in the zone in a sporting situation mm-hmm. time just seems to slow down like you're, you're moving at the normal pace but it just seems and you talk about like guys like Jonathan Thurston or those mm. sorts of players they just seem to have more time than anybody else mm. it's that sort of thing like people look at you in their teaching and go oh how'd you recognize that or you and you're looking over here and, <laughs> and, mm. and kids doing something over there and you recognize that they needed help or they're in is it uh, doing like composure something. and and awareness it's, it's a bit yeah, exactly it's and you're not in your first few years of teaching that that doesn't come naturally mm-hmm. it's it's a learned skill we probably don't get enough time in our pre-service years to go in the classroom and 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 fail yeah. and fail as well so but that's going to happen but you start to learn that over over time mm-hmm. as well and and it does slow down for you so you start to ask better questions recognize when you're can ask better questions mm-hmm. um, I still walk away from lessons going oh I should have asked that question oh yep. you think about it later on it's mm-hmm. like you had that great comeback and yeah, an hour later you thought oh you come <laughs> sounds like think, a Seinfeld episode you, 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 you come back <laughs> we think of that great comeback it's yeah. the same with your lesson if you're thinking about that 
then you go, oh, I should have asked that at that point mm-hmm. in time, or I, oh, they, they were they were doing this really good task, and I should have stopped them and, and unpacked their thinking there. Mm-hmm. It's like, and that's going to happen. Yep. But you start to you start to recognise that more in the classroom. So, so I wanted to ask you about. Uh, I heard one of your maths lessons, just one of them, and. Your actually, I worked with your wife who told yeah. me a bunch, about a bunch of your amazing lessons, yeah. and one was um, to do with the pool table, yeah. I believe. Okay, yep, yep. Could you unpack that? Because I think for if if I was a parent listening to this, this would just get me juiced on. Wow, what the, what the, what's happening with mathematics in schools is really exciting and applicable to to life. Yeah, part of, well, part of what we've done at St Paul's at Greystones is to implement some project based learning tasks so one of those is to on a pool table we've got one that sits near the classrooms Mm -hmm. um everyone was very shocked when we decided oh you're going to buy a pool table so (laughs) yeah because our first experience in in pbl was to and project-based learning if anyone doesn't know Mm -hmm. that um was to design have have this task where the kids design a a pool a, a trick shot and they have to actually perform that trick shot so they have to be good enough to to do that so they can't go too crazy so and so they but they've also got to describe all the mathematics they see so it's it's all on angles so it's about looking at the all the parallel lines they'll see on the table the different types of angles they'll see on the table uh and just be able to name them and describe Mm -hmm. them so that that's it's all still about the mathematics. Like mm-hmm. it's a cool task, mm-hmm. and but it's all still about the mathematics. Yep. Uh, so it's it's a really good one for the kids to get into, but also to learn about angles as well. Mm-hmm. So um, with that, we do a number of open tasks where we'll get them to, to practice writing de- writing explanations and justifications for their shot and mm-hmm. explain why they should deserve what particular level of of mark for mm-hmm. whatever great for whatever shot they've done as well so so if i was a parent if i wanted to um support my child with their mathematical um understanding and and and, and in that pursuit of becoming a numerate member of society <laughs> yep. do, would you recommend because what i'm hearing in your task is a lot of talk yeah a lot of talk and explaining is is that something you could recommend to parents talk to your child about mathematics yep talk every day about math- what mathematics did you you see around you mm-hmm. um i know lots of parents are good at throwing questions at their, their, their child and mm-hmm. that, getting those times tables or adding numbers up that's that's all good but also talk to them about where did you see mathematics today yep what away from school what mathematics did you see on the way home mm-hmm. you could ask that you're driving past the car what mathematics did you see mm-hmm go to the shops what mathematics are we seeing here yeah okay and get them to do some calculations if you really want to but talk to them about like because that's going to demystify mathematics in the in the real world yeah so it's making that maths apparent in the real world exactly so you're saying well what where is the numeracy around it? and that's where parents have got to be more aware as well mm-hmm. um and the more numerate the child is the better it's going to be the better the more they'll be able to handle when the, the when there is and uh, situation they haven't encountered before so they can bring back their because they're developing problem solving skills when they've got to do that if they've got to justify something they're working on their own problem solving mentality as they're doing that as well so yeah and the studies we've seen is that it's not it's long-term unemployment this has come out of britain long-term unemployment has not really been caused by the illit- people being illiterate it's more they're being enumerate because oh, okay. if you're illiterate, someone can still give you 
can tell you instructions and what to do. Yeah. But if you can't work with numbers, it doesn't matter how if they tell you what number, you wouldn't be able to measure anything that mm-hmm. they, they're telling you. So yep. that's 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 the studies that have come in, come across from England in in Great Britain that yeah, more the long term unemployment's coming from innumerate people. So okay, so people being innumerate. So there's a definite need to bring that conversation to the dinner table. It, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be geeky or like mm-hmm. it's just what are we seeing? Like yeah. what what mathematics do we see? Like you, you talk about bills, you talk about Mm-hmm. Anything that's coming in uh, mm-hmm. in in the real life, so so uh, a part of um, I'm studying at the moment, and a part of it is uh, looking at the use of de- uh, technology and its uh, application and utilizing the affordances of technology and network technology at the moment. Now, a big part of that was looking at synchronous learning, which we've been familiar with. You mm-hmm. know, students are learning at the same pace versus this asynchronous learning, where students student learning can take place anywhere and i wanted to ask you about how you're bringing that concepts of asynchronous learning in with some of your flipped videos that you've been created because i heard i watched one of your videos and even the way you speak about maths mick it's just it's (laughs) contagious i love it so tell me about a bit about your journey with the flipped classroom and creating this media so the first time i saw i heard about flipped classrooms was back in 2011 uh on twitter i was like someone started talking about flip learning i was like okay what is what's that this mm-hmm. sounds interesting like like a lot of things on twitter is like it's like someone and that's where power of someone like twitter is like lots of educators out there and they'll put stuff that they're doing they're brave enough to do that mm-hmm. so i started oh, what's flip learning and do a quick google search and uh, using video and it was like wow okay oh i reckon i could do this so mm-hmm. um most of my lessons at that point i'd, I'd set up i'd over using technology for like 15 years before that I'd had a lot of notes and especially for my senior classes notes that I'd given and they could follow and but it was mainly me start the first half of the uh, lesson doing those on the board and then okay we'll do some problems after that and then you can go and do some homework and then when I saw the flip the idea of a flip classroom where all that instruction could be done at home and they don't real, and that's the thing. I, they didn't really need me for the for the for the instruction. Mm-hmm. It just it made sense, a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I can start doing this. And some of the kids took to it really quickly. Some didn't. Um, some was like, no, no, I want you back up there. I, I'd feel you there. <laughs> but I was there. I was there more in the classroom, and I felt more of an educator rather than just a lecturer. Because yes. I was working more one-on-one with the students. I was delving into what they really needed rather than for a whole lesson, rather than a, a half a lesson. Yeah. And we were able to attack a lot more problems and deeper problems as well because they had more time to work on in the classroom. Yeah. Um, but And they, they could have a look at the videos and uh, see what – and I, the, the power, I suppose, I first saw it when I started with Extension 2. And there was only six students – doing it and i'd put the first video up and the first video got watched 24 times okay so i was like okay that's an average of four times per student they mm-hmm. need to do that and extension to maths is really hard so mm-hmm. but would they have asked me four times in the classroom to explain that again? oh that's great they probably yeah. wouldn't have but because they could work through at their own pace and go okay well i didn't get that part I, i'll go back and look mm-hmm. at that again i just it just showed me that okay they in one night they watched it on average four times it might have been more for some less for others but 
that was the power. They they got mm-hmm. that instruction more than once. Yep. And they got that a couple a, a number of hits yep. on it. And then they come into the classroom. Okay, well here's the problems that relate to that. What are we going? How are you going to go about this? And then they start to talk, do a lot more work in the classroom when I'm there, rather than mm-hmm. just to get that instruction when I'm not. So and when I when I my time my time was used a lot better in the classroom, and it was just went from strength to strength. I think beautiful. So and with that um, that way of sharing knowledge and sharing the teacher explaining this concept, did you have your students? create something similar so i mean traditionally when students submit a, a mathematics assessment it's this this question's right this question's wrong mm. is there have you ever ex- experienced with a way of assessing students where they create a video so when you can see they're thinking but you can also hear they're thinking not really i haven't okay. only because of, over the time it's been the well, lack of time with the seniors yep. <laughs> but also the lack of the technology that they had I had much better technology to, to work with and, mm-hmm. and do my videos and things like that so it just wasn't available to them um, I preferred the much more to working on problems or mm-hmm. creating a, a working in groups to solve lots more problems in that yep. respect rather than them being the creators of the content as such mm-hmm. um i haven't really delved into that much but mm-hmm. that's an that's an option that's that's one way they can recreate their their own thinking and, mm-hmm. and put that into a video form as such there as a mathematics teacher how much do you love a juicy problem that <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I, i'm like everybody else like sometimes i'll get really frustrated with the problem yeah. um there's been and, and and it keeps you grounded as well mm-hmm. um being a HSC judge, you you'd sit the you do the HSC papers every year, and there's been years where the first year I actually did it, I did the extent that was the old was still called four year. I know it was still called consension two, wasn't that yep. long ago? <laughs> but it was under the old format, and so there was eight questions in the in, in of fifteen marks each. So kids have three hours to do that, and I spent I looked up after two hours, and I completed the first four questions. I had the harder four questions to go in the last hour. Oh, wow. So it was like, you, you, start, you still get grounded when you do something like that. Yeah. Um, some of the extension two questions are really hard. I know some teachers who won't take one just from the kids at random. They'll say, okay, give oh, it to okay. me, I'll do it and bring it back to you. Yeah. I'll usually have a go. And if it's taking too long, I'll go, let me get back to you. Yep. And I've had to do that a number of times because there's some really question, good questions there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like a challenge still. I still I, like a challenge. I like what you're touching on there. It's And it's sometimes we, we've we always expected students to deliver. Here's this time oh, period that we've set aside yeah. for assessment. You must show me your thinking right now. Yet when, what we're hearing is, I mean, the thinking that you'd be going through to really wrap your mind around this question. What are your thoughts on that, um, the use of time and assessment and how students can share that thinking. Yeah, there's, there's, it's, it can be poor for children. When we try and create this mathematical mindsets, mm-hmm. that's, that's part of it as well, is when in real life are you, are you on a set time limit to do a problem? Mm-hmm. It's like it, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And then we start to expect students to do these questions in really quick time. And that's where students can not they, – they get a false sense of that they're good at mathematics. Um, ah, okay. Because if we if we give students just really easy problems and they're really good human calculators, they think they're really good. They think they're really good. And but when you start to present them with something a little bit more challenging and it starts to become hard, 
they'd rather say, oh, no, I, just, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Rather than they're rather than show that that grit to keep going with it, so mm-hmm. that that's that's a, that's the problem we do have. Like, and sometimes people look and go, "Oh, my kids aren't that good." Get let them try, yeah, let them try, get them, build them up with this mindset that they mm-hmm. can try. If they keep going, they can they they might not get there, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But they they might they might get the problem out. They might make some headway. If at worst, what strategies have you been using? Mm-hmm. Have you thought really hard about using different strategies and have you developed your thinking? So it's never, you can look at it that there's never going to be a downside to it. Mm-hmm. There's going to be, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be, you might not get it correct, but you, you can take something away every time. Mm-hmm. But if we just give really simple questions that the kids can do in really quick time, mm-hmm. They, 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 of, they get yeah. this false sense that they're, they're good at mathematics and then when it hits them, they have to do really hard problems. They start to, they, that's when they really go to water and they don't want to try anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's built up that false mindset in and, them. So, which is really sad because, and, and that's, that's where Joe Bowler talks. Like she's interviewed a lot of, uh, high, high level mathematicians around the world. They weren't thought to be very good mathematicians at school. Because they, they didn't do the quick calculations yep. quickly. Yep. They preferred to sit there and work at the problem and keep going. Mm-hmm. And, and, they, and now they looked at the best mathematicians in the world. But at school, people thought they were, they were idiots because they couldn't do it as quickly as other kids. Yep. But they weren't, they weren't really trying to do it quickly. They were just thinking really deeply about the problem. I like how you said you mentioned grit. Yeah, grit is when you think of a mathematician. Is that part of that um, disposition? Grit, a willingness to embrace the challenge. Yep. Yeah. It's. I tell the kids, difference between a good mathematician and a bad mathematician is the good mathematician just stays at the problem longer. They're willing to keep going. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> they, they they talk about the ten thousand hour rule in it and mastery is, is that the well yeah it takes 10,000 hours to master something yes, so yeah. someone like Bill Gates like did before he, he hit Microsoft had done 10,000 hours of programming mm-hmm. and he was lucky because he his school had a the microcomputer at the right time and so he, they had he had lots of things going his way the Beatles had done a lot of work there but it, it makes sort of sense when you think about mathematic mathematicians they just keep going like, mm-hmm. and the kids think they've got hard questions Einstein's famous comp- quote was always you think I've got you've got math problems in mathematics so I assure you mine a lot greater mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like there's always a harder problem yeah that's it's, right it's like and you talk to extension 2 kids and they're going and you say to them, this is hard mathematics it really is it's really hard but wait till you get the first year mathematics yeah. at uni. Yeah. That's a step up again. They look at you like you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. They look at you like, that, that's, that's not going to happen. This, it doesn't <laughs> get harder than this. And they come back after the first semester of university and you say to them, how's the course going and how hard is it? And they go, yeah, extension two was really easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, it's, it's true. I was like, I've been there. I, I got to the first, first semester exams at uni and went, Oh, give me the HSC again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, yeah. That were really hard. But that's just that next level that you're building up towards. And you've got to keep working harder at it. But there's something about the beauty of a next step. The beauty of, and, and that's the idea of this podcast. There's a lifelong learner. You always have that next step. And when you're learning, there's something, um, even for me, I, I feel a, a joy. Um, yeah, and, you know, that happiness is that joy you feel as you're heading towards the next step. Exactly. Yeah, just learning something, like learning something new. Is, yep. is is always what you're trying to do, and and I, yeah, I feel 
I feel mm-hmm. pleased when I think I've learned something new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes, it sometimes it's frustrating getting there, but that's part of it. That's, <laughs> that's, part, of le- that's part of learning. And like part of learning is dealing with frustration as well. Mm-hmm. Because, and sometimes we don't allow kids to do that because especially in our Catholic schools, we, we're real, we are pastoral. We're really mm-hmm. nice to kids. We look after, we want to look after them, but sometimes looking after them is, Allowing them to, to engage, yeah, allowing them to fail, allowing them to engage in the struggle. Mm. Don't make it so easy that they 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 get it. Yeah. So allow them to fail, allow them to, and and tell them it's okay. It's just that's a, that's a process of learning. That's a process of, of success. Yeah. Um. So it's 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 not it's not something we we as teachers we like to do. Mm-hmm. Um. When teachers watch me have watched me teach, and I've had a number of people come and watch me over the last year or so. They were like, "Oh, you didn't go in and rescue that kid." It's like, "No, no, he was right. He was mm-hmm. he, oh, when he, I'll let him go for a while." Mm-hmm. And but then you see them in their own class, and they want to go rescue them. Yeah. And that's just the natural instinct. We we want to help them out. We want to make it easier. But we're not doing. We're doing when it's a disservice mm-hmm. if we're making it easier for them. So, so some takeaways from this is: as a teacher, allow that think time. Allow students to experience the struggle. Oh, the challenge, yeah. embrace the challenge, embrace it. Yeah, mm-hmm. getting to learn to love it. Like nothing, nothing really good comes easy. Mm-hmm. Like sportsmen, mm-hmm. doctors, lawyers, they, everyone's got to struggle through to, to get those, get anything that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, very yeah. few, very few of us get it handed to us on a platter. That's right. That's <laughs> so, right. So it's like we've really got to struggle to get there. And it, but embrace, embrace the journey. And for parents, a, a big takeaway would be. Bring the com- bring math- mathematics into the conversation. Yep. It, it's there every day. It, there, you can find mathematics everywhere. So mm-hmm. the more you talk about it, the more you normalize it. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, it's not this big mystery. It's not this big thing that we, we just pull out at school. And, mm-hmm. and we all think it's important, but why we think it's important? Because we use it every day. Mm-hmm. So whether you're doing your taxes and you're... The kids having a look and well, what numbers are you using, or, mm-hmm. or you're doing the bills, or you're mm-hmm. making a recipe. Like, yeah. like our kid, like get the kids changing a recipe up, use yeah. ratios, do that sort of thing. Like mm-hmm. it, it all, you, it comes naturally to a lot of people mm-hmm. to do that. And the mathematics, you do it so often that you don't start to think about it. But yeah. when you're trying to pr- pass that on, that well, yeah, this was what I was thinking. And I was extracting that, that extracting that inner thought, that yep. inner process. Exactly. And that's that's what metacognition is. That's mm-hmm. the that's the metacognition there. You're thinking about what you're thinking there and set, letting the kids see that as well. Well, Mick Dennis, thank you so much for your time. Not you're a problem. Fantastic. And next time I've got to split the bill, I'm gonna use my calculator. <laughs> use, use the calculator every time, mate. <laughs> Thanks, Mick. Not a problem. <laughs>